What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Hoop Culture Podcast. My name is Dakota Haynes. That's Jaden Simmons. Jaden, uh, your Knicks just pulled off a trade over the break. Um, yeah. It's been a while since we recorded a podcast episode. Uh, it's been over two weeks. Um, long overdue. Uh, by the way, Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New to Year. All of our tap, uh, and to all of our listeners out there. Um, but, yeah, your Knicks pulled off uh, a trade. They believe it was R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly for O.G. Ananobi, right? Yep, yep. Also got Precious Achua and Malachi Flynn in the deal. Um, yeah, it's 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 been fun though. The the uh, first couple games in the O.G. era were undefeated, four and zero, up to the four seed in the East. Uh, you know, it, it, they've really removed a lot of my doubts that I initially had with the trade. Uh, just basically seeing how how well the starters are playing right now. Brunson and Randall are on another level offensively. Um, OG has just added so much defensive energy to the team. He has a plus minus of plus 85 right now in the four games he's played. So it's just been great basketball with him on the court. He's working well with DiVincenzo and Hartenstein defensively. And like, you know, I look over, over in Toronto and it looks like RJ and, and quickly are doing pretty well over there too. So Seems like it's really working out for both sides. I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing with this Knicks team, though. I, I I think I can confidently say this might be the best like starting five I've seen in New York since 2013. And then I'm I'm you know I'm I'm sipping the Kool Aid right now. I'm buying it. Knicks basketball, baby. Oh, and you mentioned his uh, his defense and what that brings to the Knicks, but I mean. You can't go wrong with his offense in the first four games either. I mean, he's given the Knicks 12 points, you know, Mm -hmm. five rebounds and assists, you know. I mean, that's about kind of what RJ was doing per night. Um, But, I mean, right now he's shooting 37 or 37% from beyond the arc, which is a little bit higher than what RJ Barrett was doing. He's, Mm -hmm. you know, shooting 56% uh, from, you know, inside the arc you know, higher than what RJ was doing as well. You, you know, so you can't really go wrong with that. Are the Knicks asking him to be a scorer? No, obviously not, right? But what I wanted to dive into is this trade created a void mm-hmm. for the Knicks. And that void is a scoring guard coming off the bench. Now, you might be asking yourself who the Knicks could go after. A couple guys that I uh, was talking to somebody about uh, just a couple of days ago, um, and came up with the idea of Malcolm Brogdon Mm -hmm. out of Portland and Tyus Jones out of Washington. You know, those two teams are teams that are not going anywhere this year, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. Malcolm Brogdon, it was kind of known that by the trade deadline, the Blazers would end up moving him away. I mean, they wanted him there to kind of be a mentor to Scoot Henderson mm-hmm. uh, for the first half of the season. But when that, you know, when that trade deadline came, it was going to, you know, especially if a team offered what the Blazers want for him, they were going to move him. Um, so with that being said, I mean, I I wrote an article on phantomsportsindustries.com earlier today, uh, recording this on January 7th, uh, for all of those wondering. Um, but the article that I wrote on Phantom Sports, 
uh, it talked about the Knicks being interested in Malcolm Brogdon and what that means. Um, but in that article, I came up with a trade idea that I think would work for both teams. You know, and you could add a little bit more to it depending on, you know, what you think of the deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's here's the deal. New York receives Malcolm Brogdon. Portland receives Evan Fournier, a 2025 first-round pick, either via Milwaukee or New York, and a 2024 second-round pick via Utah or Cleveland. Now, why I think this would work for the Blazers is because they are in a rebuild right now. We've talked about that you know, multiple times uh, over the past couple of episodes here mm-hmm. on the Hoop Culture Podcast. But the Blazers, you know, this draft, there's not really any set guys, you know, that you you really want. Um, but next year, I mean, you've got Cooper Flagg. You've got, uh, you know, multiple other guys that uh, could be options for the Blazers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you want those picks in order to go out and get guys like that. Yeah, yeah, 100% agreed with you there. And then, um, of course, like from from the Knicks' perspective, that that's really Evan Fournier and some combination of draft picks is really that's all that's left for the assets that we want to move on from right now. I know that people are discussing, you know, potentially throwing in Mitchell Robinson or Quentin Grimes, but I think that Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau alike want to see what this team could look like at 100% with a healthy lineup and, you know, Grimes has really broken out um, in, in his role since, since the departure of quickly and then Barrett. So I, I do think that a consolidation move of the $18 million that Fournier is making over the next two years, as well as one of our several draft picks on, on hand would, would be what we're looking to move for a veteran guard. Now, honestly, I agree with your take that Malcolm Brogdon fits this team perfectly. Um, you know, he's on a multi-year deal. He's a veteran, savvy point guard, just won six man of the year uh, just just last year. And, you know, we, we've seen him contribute to championship caliber teams before. We've seen him work well with stars before, whether it was complimenting Giannis in Milwaukee or, you know, helping those those playoff Pacers teams and then what he did with Boston. Um, I really think that he would be a great addition um, to our bench, both as a scorer and a playmaker think that he is very underrated defensively as well. I think that he would definitely play a great role in picking up where quickly uh, left off in terms of uh, that bench value. Um, I have liked seeing the, the increased playing time for Miles McBride, um, but I do think that you know the, the gap offensively between him and a guy like Brogdon is still very exponential. I think that Brogdon would fill those those shoes very easily and um i do want to throw two more names out in that hat of some veteran guards that can do that job i'm looking at jordan clarkson in uh utah as as a guy who's going to come in and give you straight buckets and i would love to you know put together a package and see if we can get him and then also this is a really shot in the dark here but um i'm gonna say terry rogier from charlotte as well um rogier's just been he's been all out hooping uh with LaMelo Ball being out with his injury. Um, Charlotte is, you know, they, they have been going nowhere for the past five years. And I think that they would be looking to get whatever assets are necessary since it's another season that seems like it's going down the drain. You know, if, if Rogier's 
trade value or trade interest is low enough to the point where Evan Fournier and a couple firsts will do it, I say pull the trigger on that one for sure. Yeah, and it's likely that, I mean, maybe the Blazers ask for a little bit more than that, but as a Blazers fan, I would take this deal 100%. I mean, Mm -hmm. look, you're just getting the first-round pick. You're getting the second-round pick. I mean, in reality, that's all adding on to what you got from Damian Lillard, right? That's Mm -hmm. all adding on to that trade package. Uh, So, yeah, I would definitely do it. And speaking of the... Uh, trade market right now um you mentioned uh the hornets and terry rogier Mm -hmm. for the knicks as well but the biggest news that i have seen come out regarding the trade market is that the detroit pistons are looking to be buyers (laughs) oh man okay okay I, I know we didn't talk uh, say that we were going to talk about this prior to the podcast, uh, but I, I wrote the article on that the other day, and it, it just it, it's been running through my mind about about it over the past couple of days. It just how how do you expect to be buyers when you're three and twenty four or whatever? Man, y'all have three wins, bro. Oh man, they're good. Okay. I mean, with only three wins, there's not really a chance that they make the playoffs. Right. I I honestly think that, to, to me, the idea of them being buyers is simply that Troy Weaver is looking to keep his job as the GM. Because there's no other explanation. They're, they're 3-33. and 33. Like, this mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Like, of course, the worst three teams have the same odds at the number one pick. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's not helpful to be worse than everyone else. But at this point, it's like if you're not going to punt the season away and you're looking to be buyers, is it just because you're scared of messing up with the number one overall pick in a draft where the pick isn't obvious? Like, I, right. I, don't, I don't know what's going on in Detroit, man. At least the fans got, got their uh, their boneless wings the other the other week, though. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but uh, credit to Yahoo's uh, Jake Fisher for that report. Um, and, and here's what he said, right? The chatter among NBA executives surrounding Siakam's potential landing spots has centered around Indiana, Sacramento, and Detroit. Uh, we, know, we know now that Sacramento has pulled themselves out of the right. Pascal Siakam deal. But, I mean... It, I just can't wrap my head around the fact that the Pistons are signaling to opposing executives that they have an interest in buying. That's, uh, and I don't even know like what assets they would put in in a trade for like Pascal Siakam. Like, are you are you throwing in Bogdanovich? Are you throwing in uh, Jaden Ivey? Are like I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Because you, you don't want to trade any of your draft picks. You're going to be terrible for the next three years. Exactly. And I, I was like, I, I was trying, when I was writing that article, I was trying to figure out what exactly could the Pistons trade, like you just mentioned. You know, adding a player like Pascal Siakam, sure. Would it help him? Absolutely. But, you know, you're not going to trade Cade Cunningham. You're not going to trade Jalen Duran. You know, you have guys like, Boyan Bogdanovich. Obviously, you don't really want to trade him because he's your, you know, your number two scorer. Which, mm-hmm. if you keep him, Pascal Siakam 
Beckham could be the number three. But, I mean, they could look to move one of their young bigs like Marvin Bagley, James Wiseman. I mean, maybe Jaden Ivey, but especially with the uh, things that have been going on in Detroit with him. You know, mm-hmm. the uh, the reports of him not getting along with Monty Williams. But I also, when I was writing that article, I read something saying that uh, the Pistons would prefer to keep Ivy. So, I mean, what exactly do they have? They could throw in veterans like Alec Burks or Joe Harris as well as some picks. But, Like, I would mean, the Raptors want that? I that's the thing is like if they're go if they're going to like a full rebuild, maybe. But I I don't see the Raptors really pulling off a trade like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that only leaves I mean, as of now, Indiana to make mm-hmm. a deal for Pascal Siakam, which I, I can see happening. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, look, Indiana's going to make a run here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. I mean, you got you got the jersey on. Shout tonight, out Halliburton. Oh man, Tyrese Halliburton has been fun to watch this season. Yeah. I mean, right now they're seventh in the Eastern Conference. You know, they add Pascal Siakam. They might be making a run, for, you know, for the top a top four spot as well as the Knicks. You know. Yeah, and, and really, I think that that would answer their biggest, well, their second biggest problem of just not having a consistent scoring option outside of Halliburton. Um, you know, like they, they have a very, very deep team, like we've talked about before. They have a lot of guys that can go out there and do their job. Anybody can give you 20 points on any given night. But if you're adding a, a second scoring threat in Siakam, especially with the playmaker that Halliburton is, you know, Siakam can go out there and average you 25. And, like, you won't have to rely on Aaron Neesmith and Benedict Matherin to, you know, step up every so often when you can have a consistent scorer. And, like, that's what they're missing uh, in comparison to the other, like, Eastern teams they're competing with. Because, you know, you look at every team that's above them in the standings, they have two guys that they can call on to give you 25 a night. So I think the Pacers should go out there, pull the trigger on, on a Siakam trade, and actually put their their name in the hat of Eastern Conference contenders. Hundred percent, I could agree with that. All right, well, we'll be back here after uh, this advertisement from Prediction Strike. Hey, do you want to invest in your favorite players like stocks? Well, with Prediction Strike. You can. Now, this app, Prediction Strike, you can buy and sell shares and athletes and build a portfolio based on who is going to perform in their games or just your favorite players. Download the app and use the code PHANTOM with an F, all capitals, when you sign up. Prediction Strike, the world's first sports stock market. Welcome back into the Hoop Culture Podcast, everybody. My name is Dakota Haynes. That's Jaden Simmons. And Jaden, big question for you. What's going on in Golden State? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I wish we we had Shane here to talk about this one because that is his team. But there is absolutely a lot going on right now. Obviously, we know that, you know, Draymond Green is coming back. But... 
outside of that, I mean, there's just they're in the news. Yeah, <laughs> and not you, for you great reasons. You, you can't miss them. It's like I, I was talking to one of my friends earlier about the Warriors, and I I described them as the basketball equivalent to a landslide because it's just mm-hmm. like everything that can go wrong is going wrong. You know, we have the of course Draymond Green's coming back, so that's a positive, but. You know, Chris Paul just fractures his hand out of nowhere. Uh, Jonathan Kuminga and Moses Moody coming to the press and saying, hey, I'm kind of done with Steve Kerr. Uh, You got, you know, a 40-point loss to the Raptors tonight. I mean, it's just Curry's not looking like Curry. Clay's not looking like Clay. They're the 11th seed in the West. It's just – it's (laughs) – and and I don't want to get the false sense of security of like it might be over because you know I've been saying that for the last four years and somehow Curry and and the Warriors just performed some dark magic to get back into the playoffs but it's it's really looking bleak right now in the Bay. It is. It is. And Shane, I gotta call him out here once again. And <laughs> in, in the Phantom Sports Slack, he. <laughs> I mentioned that Draymond Green was one week away from his return uh, yesterday. And he comments with the shrug emoji and then the praying emoji and says it's over for the league. Is it? <laughs> Is it really? That's what he says. <laughs> That's what he says. But I, I, I just don't see how the Warriors are going to hop back into being a true contender in the West at this point this season. I mean... You take a look at where they're at. Obviously, they're 17 and 19. They're on the cusp of uh, getting a play-in spot. Mm-hmm. But with the way things have been working out, with the way that they've you know been playing, I mean, they almost lost to the Pistons the other night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they just <laughs> lost to the Raptors today. They they let RJ Barrett score 37 points. No, no disrespect to RJ. That's that's my boy. But you know, a season high for him. <laughs> I I I just can't wrap my head around this either. I mean, look, Golden State has been great for years, and maybe maybe them getting Draymond Green back, maybe he is the heart out and soul of that team. You know, maybe he brings everybody together like everybody's thought for so many years. You know, but I just don't see how. And especially if he can, you know, come back without the uh, anger and the frustrations and the punching people and <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. If he can come back without that and actually be a solid guy for the Warriors, then, you know, maybe that's what they need. But mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. At this point, I just don't really see it happening, especially with Chris Paul, as you mentioned. Uh, fracturing his hand and being out four to six weeks, that's going to hurt them a lot, uh, mm-hmm. especially their depth, because they ain't got much on that yeah. bench either. And especially if Jonathan Kuminga ain't going to play, right? you know, there's th- that's two guys that you've lost off that bench right there. And and honestly, you know, I'm, I, I try not to be too biased in terms of my evaluation of, of teams and organizations, but I'm really happy that Jonathan Kuminga came out and said what I've been saying about Steve Kerr for years, and it's that he's much too reliant on his stars and doesn't really know how to run proper rotations. Uh, you know, with, with that loss to Denver, 
you blow an 18 point lead in in the second half you, you you don't play kuminga for the last 18 minutes of the game who gave you 18 points in just 16 minutes in favor of andrew wiggins who has regressed not only offensively but defensively as well and it's just like at what point the are we as nba fans going to evaluate steve kerr as a coach like purely as a coach taking away his star players because i mean what he's shown us is that in the one year that steph curry was injured they were bad enough to get the second pick in the draft and ever since adding you know james wiseman jonathan kuminga jordan Poole, moses moody he's it seems like he's wasted all of these young guys you know they're they're getting shipped away they're getting traded all in favor of you know keeping your your vets happy which you know i'm i'm not mad at but outside of the Warriors, even in the Team USA circuit at, at the World Cup, you know, we didn't medal at all. And it's because we're, we're seeing lineups without centers. We're seeing bad defensive play, bad defensive units. And, it, you know, it's just really it really has me questioning Steve Kerr's ability to adapt as a head coach. Because I know that he's been monumental. He's, he's helped the Golden State Warriors to four championships. But I just think that his adaptability is going to be his downfall. And I think that he's really struggling to adapt to the, the changing era of basketball. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody talks about, you know, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll being the, um, you know, the guys in the NFL that are kind of the old style of coaching, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, that modern um, young style and uh you know high powered offenses you know coming into the league now look i mean i i like steve kerr right but he's the nba equivalent of that mm -hmm. he's the nba equivalent of you know a uh nba coach that is you know pretty much on his way out yeah you know he he hasn't adapted and as of now i don't really foresee it happening you know un until he shows us you know over a couple of games that he can actually put together a decent rotation that he can actually mm -hmm. put together you know some decent matchups and you know stuff like that he's just relied on his star players as you mentioned for far too long mm -hmm. and these star players are getting older you know at, at is it going to take, you know, Steph Curry retiring? Is it going to take Clay Thompson retiring, Draymond Green retiring before we actually find out that Steve Kerr isn't the type of coach that we thought he was going to be or the type of coach that we thought he was? That's what it's looking like. Like, I'm, I'm really not even saying this from a place of disdain. It's just I, I haven't seen anything that gives me confidence in Steve Kerr's coaching ability so far. Yeah, neither have I. But um, on the other side of that, another coach that has been in the news recently, Darvin Ham. Yep. I actually want to point out, and I, I know I'm going to name drop him again, but Shane the other day, and we've got to get him on the next podcast again <laughs> uh, so he can debate himself or so he can, uh, you know, talk about it. But um oh boy and so speaking of uh actually we talked we just talked about the pascal siakam so shane uh he tweeted something 
um, like a Pascal Siakam to the Golden State Warriors. Before I get back to the other stuff, uh, he tweeted something. It's the Warriors received Pascal Siakam, Raptors received Jonathan Kaminga, Andrew Wiggins, Braden uh, Podzimski, and mm-hmm. two first-round picks. And Shane said that was too much for Pascal Siakam. Is I mean, it? that's two guys that like. Is it? Is it though? Yeah, that's that's my question. I don't think I'm, that it is because Andrew Wiggins, as you mentioned, is digressing. Jonathan Kaminga don't want to play. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't think that's too much for him. But here, I'm gonna get down to the uh, what I really wanted to talk uh, about. So there was a tweet on January fourth. Um, somebody somebody posted this. It was it was about LeBron James and the you know Darvin Ham situation, and they said. And y'all are proud of this. The LeBron, LeBron toxic cycle happening again. Braun and Lakers start to lose because they're not good. Media and Braun insiders find a role player to blame. This year, that's D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. The trade rumors begin. They keep losing. Braun starts to act like a diva. Exits games early. Makes petty comments to media, etc. Coach starts to get blamed. In this case, Darvin Ham. The coach gets fired and replaced. The team guts the future and makes... Last second trades to get better. Mm-hmm. They lose in the playoffs. And then LeBron leaves for another team with better talent in the offseason, leaving behind the ruins of a team with no future, or the team trades for another star, like the Lakers did before with Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. And Shane, I mean, look, I got to credit him for this because he's actually right on it. And he said, This is your GOAT? Question mark. I mean, how are we going to let a player... I mean, look, I get LeBron James is, you know, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Mm-hmm. But how are we going to let a player decide who the coach is? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a bit crazy. It, it is. And, you know, I, I don't think that it's just solely a LeBron James problem. Even though, you know, we, we have seen the, the cycle go through. But... You know, I'm shifting more blame on this situation to Rob Palenka. And, you know, as, as as the general manager in the biggest market in basketball with the biggest star in basketball, you you set the precedent when he signed here that he was essentially going to be the GM. And, I mean, that, that, that's pretty much what he did in Cleveland anyways. But it's like you're – you obviously are making maneuvers to keep LeBron happy and you're making maneuvers to, you know, build the, the ideal team around LeBron James and the media is just feeding into it. And you, you're setting yourself up for, for disappointment every single year. You know, this off season, they, they went out, they added Gabe Vincent, they added Cam Reddish, they added Jackson Hayes, Christian Wood. And it's like, at face value, I'm looking at these names, and it, these are guys that weren't making NBA rotations. Like these are guys that that Lakers are treating like a rehabilitation project. And you know, Palinka's going out there; he's adding guys based off of name value rather than fit and rather than you know actual talent. And they'll go on a little run to at the beginning of the season. We can call the end season tournament as an example of that. You know, they went on a, on a run. They brought home an in-season tournament, meaningless banner, hung it up, popped the champagne, all of that. <laughs> and now here we are just a month later, and you're below 500. 
your fans are clamoring for people to be traded. Darvin Ham's about to be fired. And it's like, at what point do you not only shift the blame to LeBron, but you got to look at the management. Like, why did we think that Cam Reddish, who had sat 37 straight games in New York, was the ideal starting small forward? Why did we think that a Gabe Vincent that lost his job to Max Struess was the ideal starting point guard? Why do we think a Christian Wood, who's been waived from three of his last four teams, was the ideal big man to bring in to, to uh, alleviate Anthony Davis's pressure? It's, it, it, it's a much bigger problem than LeBron in Los Angeles. And I understand all the frustration with LeBron and the way that, you know, he kind of governs teams as like a player coach, player GM, la GM, if you will. Uh, but, you know, a lot of this falls on Palenka and a lot of this falls on the way that he's not only running the team but the way that he's maneuvering the team and the roster move I really think that they should have never lost the role players from that 2020 championship team because there's no reason that they should have went in and gotten Russell Westbrook when they did when Kyle Kuzma and Alice Caruso and and all those other guys fit their core much better it it's they've been hustling backwards ever since you know that championship and I don't think that they'll ever reach that point again because they were so quick to punt on all of their homegrown talents to try to add another star and I mean that's that's the Los Angeles way I guess all right now let me ask you this Barani James uh is projected to be picked in the 2024 draft Mm -hmm. there's no guarantee that you know he'll enter but mate do you think that maybe LeBron has told the Lakers to tank for Bronny or get into the position to draft him? It's 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 an interesting theory. The reason I don't think that he's telling them to tank necessarily is because I think that if Bronny does enter, he'll be probably like a mid late first round pick. So I think mm-hmm. the Lakers will be in position to draft him regardless. But I do think that, you know, LeBron hasn't made it – he hasn't made it a secret that he wants to play with Bronny. And mm-hmm. if the Lakers have the opportunity to draft Bronny, they 100% will if it means keeping LeBron in town. Um, I, I do think that Bronny is a very talented prospect, and I think that he'll, oh. he'll be a game changer at, at the next level regardless of what team he goes to. But it, it, it is very interesting seeing this Lakers team, you know, come into the season with so much momentum and then just go on like a crazy skid in the past couple weeks. So, you know, it's definitely something to look at. I think that LeBron definitely wants to prioritize winning above anything else, Mm -hmm. but um, I wouldn't be shocked if if the Lakers do end up taking Bronny in the draft and, you know, are are in that 18-19 range when they could have easily been a a 25 or above, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, uh, I was like, well, maybe, but yeah, to be honest with you, they're probably going to be in that position regardless of mm-hmm. where, because I don't foresee them winning a championship this year or even making it to the NBA championship, especially yeah. with how many good teams there are in the league right now. I mean, yeah. you're talking teams like, well, especially in the East or the West, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're talking teams like the late uh, Nuggets, the Timberwolves, mm-hmm. the Thunder, the Clippers. I mean, mm-hmm. they've gone on a tear with James Harden in the lineup. Yeah. You know, the Kings are doing well. 
So, I mean, I, I, I just don't see uh, Lakers making the NBA championship this year. Yeah. I mean, they're 10th in the West right now. But, yeah. Um, it's a lot going on. Yeah. In Los Angeles. <laughs> um, and it, it's, it's the same old, same old. I mean, we're used to it at this point, right? Right. But, uh, yeah, speaking of which, um, on to the next topic. The all-star voting results just came out yes, um, over yes. the past uh, day or so. The and Let's go over those. Um, see if, you know, some the fans are right. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you know, this is only the, the first returns. I think there's going to be two mo- two more returns before they, they formally announce the starters. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so, some – I'll say the fans have gotten some right. They've hit some on the some nails on the head. But some there there's definitely some glaring names that I'm confused at being left out of the top ten of their respective positions. Mm-hmm. Right. That we, we think they've gotten right so far. Um, I'll, I'll go first. In the East – I think Tyrese Halliburton, definitely right. I mean, look, he you can't get much better of a point guard in the Eastern Conference than him right now. Yeah. He's averaging double digits in both points and assists. It's crazy. Um, Damian Lillard, it can go either way. I mean, he's you know he's aver- he's doing what he did in Portland, right? But mm-hmm. some would say that he's putting together one of the worst 25-point seasons in NBA history. Not me. I love Dame. But <laughs> I think I, the, I, those people that would say that are just bored and are looking for something to complain about. Yeah, you might be right. But I just saw it when I was scrolling on Twitter the other day, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, Trey Young, I could see it. Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, probably. Jalen Brunson's on there. I think mm-hmm. he, he definitely should be this year, an all-star. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, he's been playing pretty well for Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, him and Joel Embiid have been absolutely amazing, especially with Tyrese Maxey taking over for James Harden pretty much. Yeah. LaMelo Ball. Hasn't really probably played. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, hasn't really yeah. played. <laughs> Uh, Derek White, I mean, you made the case for him. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'd say he deserves to be in the top 10. Uh, Drew Holiday, eh, well, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, okay, I give him a pass. You know, he's yeah. he, he's doing as much as he can for, you know, Chicago. Right. Now, on to the front court. Giannis, obviously. Mm-hmm. Joel Embiid, obviously. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum. Yes. Jimmy Butler. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that early season struggle for Miami. Yeah. But th- they've turned it around as of late. Jalen Brown. Mm, okay. Oh, yeah, he's on the he's on the edge for me. Yeah. Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Mikhail Bridges. He's doing good, but is he really an all-star? I wouldn't say I, so. I, I wouldn't <laughs> say so yet. Kyle Kuzma. No, get him no, off there. Respectfully. <laughs> respectfully, yeah. I mean, it, Washington isn't doing anything. Kristaps uh, yeah. Porzingis, well, he's been an all-star before, but and, he, and he's turned the Boston Celtics around. So I'll give him a pass on that. But Paolo Bancaro, I mean, maybe in a, like a year or two, but not yet. Yeah. 
for me. Uh, what, for me, uh, it was just it was very confusing seeing the top ten for the Eastern front court without Julius Randle. Um, I, I really do think that Randall is, you know, having his best season um, to date right now. You know, he's putting up 25 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, you know, shooting 48% from the field. Yeah, he had the early season struggle, but, you know, ever since, like, Thanksgiving, he's been putting up ridiculous numbers. He was in consideration for player of the month last month. Um, you know, he, he before his last game, he had like a, a streak of 30 point games going on. It was it was crazy. Like Randall's been playing some real good basketball, but you know, he, he's not the most popular player, so I'm not surprised that he's not, you know, highly regarded in fan votes. But it, it just kills me as a Knicks fan, you know, seeing and, and knowing how many uh how big our fan base is and seeing guys like Kyle Kuzma get more votes than him in the first return. It's just kind of like I don't think we're appreciating our our star enough. Yeah, and then in the Western Conference, this this one is uh oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the guards. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you've got Luka Doncic and Steph Curry. I mean, those two are undoubtedly the best two guards uh in the Western Conference right now. I mean, best two point guards in the Western Conference. Then you've got Shea Gilgis Alexander. He deserves to be an All Star this year. I'll give him his due. James Harden hasn't really played as much this year, right? I mean, mm. especially on a star-studded team like the Clippers, should he really be an All Star? Maybe, not. probably not. I mean, <laughs> yeah, especially with him signing like halfway through the season already, yeah. you know. But uh, Kyrie Irving, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. At this point in his career, I don't know. Anthony Edwards, he should probably be up higher on this list. John Morant, come on. Really, He's he was suspended for 25 games of the season. Look, How are look, we going to put him on this list? I, I'm willing to make John Morant an all-star just off of the strength of the fact that the Grizzlies have like a 6-1 and one record with him. You know, he's, he, uh, he, he's definitely not going to make it because of the suspension, but he, he's playing all-star ball. Yeah, I'll give him that that little tip of the cap. Yeah, hundred percent. But I mean, he missed twenty five games. Like, how yes. how does he have two hundred eighty eight thousand views already in the first return? That's the that's, question. That's, he's the most marketable player in the NBA right now. Uh, the the kids love him. I I guess so. <laughs> De'Aaron Fox. Okay, yeah, I'll give him his yeah. dues. I mean, he's he's been balling out for Sacramento over the past two years. Mm-hmm. Clay Thompson. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, he's just on there for his name at this point. Yep. He he isn't playing at an all-star level. And then Austin Reeves, probably not. Right? Lakers propaganda. Exactly. Yeah. Um. I'm. Oh. I was shocked. Um. I saw a tweet that said, uh, "Devin Booker has the least amount of hype from any superstar that has as many uh, celebrity connections as he does." And, you know, I didn't realize it at first, but looking through the, the guards list, I'm like, wow, you're telling me that uh, year year 13 Clay Thompson and Austin Reeves were able to crack, crack the top 10, but Devin Booker wasn't able to get at least 170,000 votes. It's that's a kind of shocking from a guy that was just in the NBA finals two years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I may be a little biased here. 
But I'd even go as far as putting like an Anthony Simons or a Shaden Sharp over Clay Thompson at this point. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. I mean, Simons is averaging like twenty seven points per game. I I've given him some yeah. votes too. He's balling out for Portland. And he's keeping them within, you know, a chance to win the games. Yeah. But in the uh front court, honestly, this ain't a bad list if you yeah. if you actually want to be technical. I mean, you've got LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. I mean, Alperen Sengun is playing pretty good ball for Houston. Yeah. Victor Wimbenyama in at eight. I mean, the Spurs aren't doing well, but Wimbenyama is, has been balling out. Absolutely. In the regular season. Chet Holmgren, I mean, potential rookie of the year. Carl Anthony mm-hmm. Towns. Yep. I mean, that's not that Western uh, Conference front court isn't bad at all. Right, right. The only name I would suggest that I don't see is is Demonis Sabonis. Uh, I think that he's just as as important to the Kings' success as De'Aaron Fox has been. But you know, yes. like like you said, that's a great ten right there. And I mean, all of them have all star worthy cases. And um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see which ones don't make it because you know, like 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 I said, I think all of these guys have have a fair shot at making it. And let this just be a reminder, fans, uh, make sure to get your votes in um, from now on until uh, the voting ends. Yes. Um, So your stars and your favorite players can get into the all-star game or hopefully get into the all-star game. (laughs) Um, But with that being said, um, Ricky Rubio finally announced his retirement uh, from basketball the other day. Uh, Jaden, I'm going to let you talk a little about, about that one, man. Uh, for me, it was a, it was a bit nostalgic, honestly, and, and a bit like of a, of a shock because like, of course, Rubio's not like a, a superstar or, uh, you know, one of those type of guys, but, you know, I have a connection with Ricky Rubio just because of the fact of when I started watching basketball, um, you know, my, my first full-time season of watching basketball was, uh, like, after the Celtics won their championship. So that first season, like, after that, was, like, my first one locked in as, as a basketball fan. And I just remember, like, everything leading up to the 2009 draft. That was the first draft I watched. And so, like, the big names were just, you know, Blake Griffin, Steph Curry, and Ricky Rubio. Like, Ricky Rubio was just, like, he was a crazy hyped prospect he was playing in the euro leagues at like 16 years old and he was he was a sure thing like he was drafted fifth overall for a reason and so just like i remember just being a kid and just being like man ricky rubio he, he's gonna be nice and of course he, he was a great player uh in, in his own right had a good good career with with the uh with, with the timberwolves helped out with with the uh calves and jazz really good vet really good playmaker really good defender so, you know, I, I saw that, you know, he had taken that leave of absence with Cleveland because of mental health. Um, I'm, I hope that everything is going OK for him back at home. I'm happy that he's able to move back to his home country. And, you know, I hope he finds peace in his career after the NBA. But, yeah, you know, happy trails to Ricky Rubio. You, you, you played a really good career. And I'll never forget just all the hype you had coming into the, to the league. You know, you were, you were a very entertaining player. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't have, you know, too many fond memories of uh, Ricky Rubio myself, but, you know, from what I remember, there was a lot of good moments with him in Minnesota and Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Um, And Utah as well. I mean, he he put them in, you know, some uh, pretty good situations over the uh, 12 years that he was in the uh, NBA. Um, So, yeah, uh, congrats to him on his retirement. I hope he's doing well. Hope he's doing Mm -hmm. a lot better. But kind of sad to see a, you know, a player like him retire. Yeah. Um, but that's going to do it for here, us here on the Hoop Culture Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Uh, we'll see you next time right here on Phantom Sports Industries. So long, everybody. <laughs>